The Daily Talk Show, episode 626. And we've got Susie Jones in the studio. Welcome. Well, welcome, Susie. Uh, kindly connected through Jody Imam. Yes. Imam? Imam? Got it right? Uh, or did you? You said to... Yeah, Imam. Imam. I was waiting to be co- uh, corrected. Uh, when we were chatting with Jody, something sort of uh, got my attention, which was um, somebody she'd been working with, which was yourself in the cybersecurity space. Yeah. And uh, if I've seen movies, I know cybersecurity yeah. or I don't. <laughs> I read a book by Kevin Mitnick oh, yeah. you know, on yeah. social engineering. So oh, yeah. I'm sort of a, a uh, low level non-tech hacker. So you guys I can- are just dangerous <laughs> enough. Just knowledgeable, not enough to be dangerous. We act- I actually hacked once. Um, there was a program back in the day uh, that you could send somebody a, a zip file and mm-hmm. then you could get into I printed something on their computer. It was all for fun though. But I mean, what, what, what you deal with Hilarious. your business <laughs> since security? I'm so sorry. Greater risk than me when yeah. I was fourteen yes. um, to businesses. Tell us a little bit about what your business is. Yeah, so uh, Cinch Security, we're all about um, what we call cyber fitness for small business. So making security not just about protecting the tech in your business, but also creating it to be a way to differentiate yourself from your competitors and build resilience, build strength, and make sure that not only will you not get um, successfully attacked, but you can also then get a ticket to the bigger game with bigger clients and all the rest. It's like um, being fit and getting it cold and getting over it quicker. Exactly. It's like you're... Your lazy competitor just gets sick and it wipes them out pretty much. Yeah. So they don't come back. So it's, yeah, fit spot on. Do people come to you normally when things have gone wrong? Um, we certainly have a lot of people reach out to us following things that have gone wrong. We don't help with incident response, but we will refer them to people that can help. That's quite a specialized um, uh, skill set there. Um, but um, we certainly get a lot of small businesses calling us saying, this has just happened. Can you help? can you put us onto somebody and we help them? And then once everything has calmed down and they've dealt with that incident, then they can come back to us and, and we start working with them from mm-hmm. that point on. Yeah, we noticed like uh, about six months ago, all of our bigger clients uh, in their email subject line would start saying external email. Uh, why, why are they doing that? Um, it's another cue to remind you to say and to stop and think before you click on whatever it is that's been sent to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just constantly going through emails um, and we all have too many emails these days. If you're just constantly trying to get it, get that number down to zero and you're just clicking on everything, forwarding everything, responding to everything, it's very easy to get tricked into clicking into something that you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of visual reminder, this is external, is it really something you need to click on? Um, it, it can really help. And so uh, email spoofing, so like the the idea of it looking like, say, with our business, big media company, we could get an email from what looks like an internal person. From a sophistication point of view, is that like, do, is it actually going to get more sophisticated, do you think, than that? Or are we sort of seeing the peak levels? Uh, I, I think it's going to constantly change and evolve. It certainly changes um, on a daily basis. Um, you're always going to have low level attacks that they're just copying what somebody else did. Um, Unfortunately, cyber criminals are some of the best collaborators in the world. So once they find something that works, they will tell all their friends. Mm. Um, so you're going to see the same things happening over and over as long as people keep clicking on the links. But they're also finding new ways to to trick people and scam and all the rest of it. It's it's going to continue to evolve um, regularly, unfortunately. When when I spoke to you on the phone last week, um, I thought I... I I feel like it's one of those things, those industries where people try and bring in some jokes about 
the field, you know, it's like fitness industry has their sort of mm-hmm. jokes around that. And so uh, cybersecurity, I was, you were doing a, a speech and I was, you know, saying, saying, oh, are you teaching them to take the uh, password off the sticky note off the computer? You know, like that kind of banter. Good yeah, good, good, gear. Gear? good Good banter, yeah. <laughs> I'm mean, glad you brought it up again. <laughs> that, yeah, but did, the reason I brought it up, is there anything else? Can I add a few others to my repertoire if I'm going to be yeah. getting uh, some cyber, cliches. cyber banter? Oh, look, it's fair to say I'm not very good at the cliches, but um, <laughs> I will say um, use a password manager, just, just do it. Um, everybody says, oh, I don't like them and all the rest of it, but just do it. Like, yeah. It's really not that hard. Um, well, my mum's got a, a a notepad, like mm, a book. Yeah. She keeps all her things in there. Like, I mean, this it's, is. It's not the worst idea. Um, uh, there are some passwords where it makes sense for you to write them down and put them in a safe place. Um, I wouldn't have them written down next to your computer in a co-working location, <laughs> um, but I'm guessing your mum's home office yeah. is a bit more secure and only yeah, so many yeah. people She's have access. She's at WeWork, I believe. <laughs> 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 there for the free booze. Um, so do WeWork do free booze? Or yeah, is that just yeah I mean, they would have. Um, yeah. I don't know about now. Yeah. It's all gone to shit. I mean, does does the that landscape of co-working spaces change your industry? Um, it does. Um, it uh, it, it's more about remote working and flexible working um, with this day and age being able to work from anywhere, whether it be cafes or hotels or, you know, your lounge room or an office or anything like that. It's it's just different. There's different things you need to think about. You need to think about which network are you connecting to and do you trust it? Um, and if you don't fully trust it, then what are you going to do about that? Um, you know, there, there are plenty of people that will uh, travel around the country or around the globe and around Australia, they wouldn't dream of using free Wi-Fi. But at the moment they're sitting in Hong Kong, they're like, well, I'm not going to pay for data. Come <laughs> mm-hmm. on, of course I'm going to use free Wi-Fi. Um, so there's some of these behaviours that, um, you know, in this day of age of co-working and flexible workspace, you just need to have a take a few extra moments to think about is what I'm doing actually making sense for my for me and my business and my risk? Well, is it? It's ease, right? It's like when you're in Paris, which is me, and I'm on the free Wi-Fi at the airport. Mm-hmm. I'm only using it because it's easy and it's free, and I need it then, which is makes sense as the thing that compromises. Well, that's the vulnerability, isn't it? Yeah, that's where they're getting uh, getting you VPNs. Mm-hmm. I had this moment the other day where I was like logging into a VPN. And I was like. Like, how, how do I know, how can I trust the VPN? Because I was like, okay, if 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 we're uh, putting through all this sensitive data through the VPN, shouldn't I know more about the business, where it's based, what is it doing? Uh, what's, what's your perspective on using a VPN? And is it is there potential for comprom- compromise with that sort of thing? Um, certainly, if you're going to be using free Wi-Fi, I would definitely use a VPN. Um, mm. So a virtual private network. That, that Too late, Susie. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I've stop that. But I've I, since had my accounts drained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think if you're using a reputable brand, um, as long as you're not just downloading from, you know, Google some free VPN that you mm. found that, you know, has <laughs> all of this Russian Cyrillic down the bottom of the website, yeah. then, you know, you're probably going to be okay if you're using a reputable brand. But think about, um, you know, if you've got a choice between using a free one that you can just download from any website or paying a few bucks to mm. get one that is a, a brand that is out there and would um, be motivated to keep you secure, then pay the few dollars. Mm. Do you think we'll get to a point where everyone's using a VPN all the time, like is that is that is there a use case for that? 
Um, I use VPN an extraordinary amount of time mm-hmm. um, running my own security company. Um, I probably use it more than a lot of people. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not a big deal to use a VPN. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I find it amusing that with, then when I go on to Google Chrome and um, look something up, it you know it'll take me to the Paris website or whatever because all of a sudden it thinks that's where I am. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, like it, there's nothing wrong with using a VPN more often than not, as long as yeah. it's a reputable one. Um, f- for small businesses and their um I guess, cybersecurity threats towards them. People might think that's like, uh, what have I got? I've got nothing. You know, I'm not hiding anything. I've got not much money. Yeah, you can have our PDFs. You can, Yeah, <laughs> you can have our contracts. What is the reality for small businesses in Australia in terms of cybersecurity threats towards them? Yeah, I think um, whilst they might think, oh, I don't have anything, what are they going to take from me? I don't have any money. Um you, a lot of small businesses will also be holding data that doesn't belong to them or information on their customers, information on their staff. Um, they've got bank details. They've got contracts with big companies. Um, you know, some of the, the biggest um, cases out there of cybercrime, um, you know, the Target hack, they got through, through a, you know, a small business. It was a contractor to Target. What happened? Um, What's this one? Uh, so this was uh, about five years ago, um, I, I believe from memory, um, that it was like an air conditioning company um, that were involved in, that were contracted to Target and um, they got in through their software and, and game over. Um, so small businesses, if they work with big businesses, can be a target simply because they work with big big mm. businesses. Mm. So um, everybody has something to lose um, and, and cyber criminals will take it. You're also only as secure as your dumbest mate on Facebook. <laughs> You know? <laughs> Who's like, your dumbest mate? I, don't, I don't have many friends on oh, Facebook anymore. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 97 was talking the other day. We're wanting to build out our um, audience profiles or get a better sense of who listens to the show. And uh, Sevs, you were bringing up uh, how do we make sure that it's secure? How do we make sure it's safe? Is, is having these, these details in a spreadsheet or a spreadsheet within the cloud using something like Airtable or Sheets. Is that, like, is there anything else that we can do to make that sort of data secure? Yeah, so, I mean, you can make sure you're limiting who has access to it. So just consciously checking who who can um, touch it. You can put in things like multi-factor authentication. Um, it sounds really boring. It's where you get either the code um, sent to your phone or, um, you know, you'll have a, an app on your phone that gives you a code to enter in. So you have to use both your password as well as that code. Um, it adds an extra 20 seconds to to logging in, um, but it's still recommended as one of, one of the most effective controls you can have in place. So um, for anything that you're worried about that stuff, look for services that have multi-factor authentication and, mm. and put that in place. Um, also, just be mindful of whether or not you really need to keep that data, um, certainly if it has any personally identifiable information. So if you have, um, you know, just general um, demographic information of your listeners, that's fine. But if you have that combined with their name and their phone number and their email and their whatever, um, do you really need all of that stuff together? Do you need that stuff at all? And if not, then get rid of it. I, uh, a friend of mine, I saw him running on Facebook about how he had his identity stolen. And man, it was crazy. It was like um, Channel 7 got hacked. They obviously made him take photos of his passport or license. I don't know why they're doing this, but they had all this info Mm. and they stole his identity, got multiple credit cards in different places. And he only realized like his credit score was like ruined. And so it took, he said it was like the most 
horrible one month of being on the phone and just anxiety around it. It's like you don't even think about that, right? It's like mm-hmm. I just renewed my phone contract and it's the only time that I really check my credit score because they have to call. How is it? It's fine to get a phone. So I, was like, I don't know. How. <laughs> we can but use, imagine get, if you were like, credit, sorry, your credit score's yeah. done. It's like, mate, I don't have a credit card. Well, you don't, don't really need much I don't to have a get a phone, I don't think. You need, like, it, you yeah, need no, some But when you're 18 rating. or whatever, you can you can get one. But there's that get credit score or whatever.com.au when you yeah. can once a month they let you uh, check it all. I don't trust it. <laughs> can you ask us a few questions that will kind of um, get Dismantle us? Dismantle us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you need to ask them. In, in a way, in a that, way that doesn't give people <laughs> the idea of how they could access our info <laughs> yeah, or can our you listeners' hack, hack us right now. <laughs> but is there any questions that you are that you ask uh, to f- sort of find out the fitness? I know you've got the online fitness check, mm-hmm. cybersecurity fitness check. Is there anything? I mean, I'm not Maybe doing push Maybe it's an IRL version of that. Like <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, were to, yeah. yeah, if you were to sort of give the like, what are the the three questions that you can determine? Yeah. A company's health. So, I mean, the first question we ask is um, what tech are you actually using in your business? So we can see so much from the outside looking in, um, but you're the only one that knows um, mostly um, whether or not you're using Zero or MYOB or whether or not you're using um, Dropbox for, for any reason. And and the tech that you're using is always going to be really important. Um, the next thing is, okay, what steps have you put in place to actually secure those things? Do you use multi-factor Um do you have you got any of the controls on your website, um, et cetera? And then the last thing is, and what sort of information do you actually hold on whether it be your customers, your staff, or whatever else? Um, and the combination of those three things mean that using our platform, we can then prioritize all of your risks um, and then tell you in order what should you be doing about it. Right. So we've got accounting software. We've got well, there's so based. I reckon we've got we're, all of them. Well, right? I think where we fall over is we use too many third-party add-ons. So it's not only zero, we're then like, oh, let's try like Float, which gives us this like uh, budgeting mm-hmm. thing. It's like, ah, oh, Float's not really, let's try Fathom. And that's and so before you know and it- you're collecting yeah. all of these apps. And so you've got all these apps, the third-party, so it might not be zero that's the problem, mm-hmm. but we might like, I'm sh- like just, just half an hour ago, <laughs> we enabled a new app within G Suite, which provides us- uh, analytics on how many emails we're sending. Mm-hmm. But that's like another potential vulnerability. Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't hurt to sit down once, I don't know, a quarter, a year, mm-hmm. however often, and go through um, which apps you've granted access to the main services that you use and disconnect the ones that you don't use anymore. Um, we spoke about Facebook before. That's the same with that. I, every now and then I go onto Facebook and I um, ungrant access to all mm. of these things that I've connected using Facebook every now and then. Well, it's um, so easy, right? What is it also like logging in onto websites through Google? So yeah. through your G Suite, is there is there anything there with just you know the the instant access by just hitting login with my Google? Well, provided you're um, uh, protecting your Google account, then that's actually a very smart way to go about it. So whenever there is any opportunity for me to connect to a new service um, using my Google account, I do it because I protect my Google account like my life. Yeah. Um, so at least then I know whatever and that so service is. going to bulletproof it. I really hope that Susan's this is not just G- putting G-mail. a big target on my back. But, uh, you know, that's like you, 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 if you know that you've done the right thing with one service, then using that to connect to other services is not a bad idea at all. Mm. Um, same with there's nothing wrong with setting a password that you have no intention of ever remembering and then next time you go log in, you just hit the forget my password. Just, um, I love so there's that. one problem with that. Mr. 97 has... Uh, <laughs> 
Mason Lauder on Instagram, but he has forgotten or he doesn't even know oh, what, yes. what email address is attached mm. to that account. He can yeah, see, yeah. you know, how it like X's out half and of it. And you still don't know. And he's still, still, it's, it's at V. Right. What email provider starts with at V? Uh, also custom his- domain. I don't think I've ever registered a domain. Are you sure you didn't use one of those temp, like, destroyable inboxes? Yeah. Potentially temp mail. That's a bit annoying. But I, I, don't, I don't think I'd do that for my name, for a username on Instagram. No, you've done some pretty silly things. <laughs> Can you tell us how, Susie, people are actually accessing? So it's like you think about hacking, you think about, are oh, they using some sort of back-end program? I don't know, you're seeing numbers come down the screen like the Matrix. How are actually, people, how are these these absolute gronks actually doing this? How are they gaining access? Um, a lot of the time it is through um, social engineering, just tricking you into giving them access. So there are still so many scams out there where all of a sudden, you know, Telstra security team is calling you because they've discovered that there's an issue with your connection and, oh, can they just jump on using TeamViewer and get access? And, oh, you know, we'll just, here yeah, we're going to, um, you know, do a scan of your computer and make sure that the scammers aren't on there. And, of course, all they're mm-hmm. doing is just installing... Um, uh, malicious software onto your computer and taking everything. Mm. Um, so, you know, the the emails, clicking on the emails and giving them access, they'll download software onto your computer. Um, they're just using um, a password, uh, a username and passwords that have come up in other breaches. Um, so mm. Mark Zuckerberg got done a few years ago because he'd used the same password, which was so simple. It was da, 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 D-A-D-A-D-A. <laughs> he had used the same password on LinkedIn as well as Twitter as well as Pinterest. Um, and LinkedIn had a breach and all of a sudden his Twitter account was was compromised. So, um, you know, there's there's a bunch of different ways. Um, I mean, what hope if this, the richest guy, one of the richest guys in the world who created the biggest social network is mm. using da, da, da. What's his problem? I, I, well, I feel like most people are probably a fair bit smarter than Zuckerberg a lot of the time. Yeah. So I, I don't, I wouldn't put that as, um, as yeah, the answer. Yeah. Uh, how did you get into all of this? How did I get into yeah. it? Um, I have my co-founder to blame for that. So um, I, my background, I was an insurance broker for 10 years um, and joined Australia Post to manage their insurance. Um, quickly moved out of that to risk management, commercial management, and then got a random email from a, a colleague at Post that I'd never met before just saying, hey, um, I'm working on this initiative to do with small businesses that have had data compromises um, and I want to explore how do we get cyber insurance involved. Can we have a coffee? Oh, like, that's, a, that's a scammer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that was it? Well, no. It, uh, internal at, email. At, yeah. Australia Post is actually in with – within the business is really good at internal collaboration mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So you'd, you'd have random people reach out all the time. So had a coffee with him, learnt that he was working within their incubator um, program, essentially playing a startup founder, um, working on building a product to help small businesses following a data breach. So that moment before that you were talking about with your friend that had their identity stolen, yeah. um, that can be just as painful, um, if not far more painful for a small business owner if they have a similar thing because then it's not just – their identity, um, it's also their business, it's their livelihood, it's their family, it's their, mm. it's their everything. It's, it quickly becomes the worst day of their lives. Um, so I had this coffee with Adam um, and he's telling me what he's doing and I'm like, that sounds amazing. How can you be getting paid to do this? Yeah. Um, so I joined him and we spent six months exploring this issue. Um, we built a rough idea of that product within Australia Post um, but we quickly realised that whilst helping people following data breach was important, 
what we actually needed was to help businesses avoid the data breach in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't something we were going to be able to do within Australia Post. So um, we went off and found normal jobs again within Post and then nights and weekends we uh, started working on Cinch. And so basically he's the ideas guy. He's got the tech background and, and built our platform um, and I figured out how to turn it into a business. What's an incubator like in a business like OzPost? Um, it's pretty incredible in terms of you get, um, like I said, you still get your salary, whatever your salary mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. um, to learn all of these new skills, to meet interesting people um, and to experiment in a way that within a large corporate you don't usually get to do. You, you know, you, you have a lot more freedom than what you usually have. Um, but on the flip side than that, you also don't then to go and go out and see your product um, thrive and grow and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I think there's both sides of it. Australia Post were terrific at developing really fantastic entrepreneurs. There's a bunch of us now that are out there doing our own thing. Um, I don't know if that necessarily translated into what they wanted as a company in terms of being able to build new products, but um, uh, thanks, Australia Post. <laughs> yeah, we, we filmed at the Australian uh, Post head office. Mm. Is it Burke Street or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. triple one Burke. The Cisco um, stuff. Yeah. Amazing. Like I think people would probably look at, the post as archaic and it's still the mail, snail mm. mail. But it is like there is, I mean, the teams that we saw, there was, it was pretty full on. It's a pretty incredible place to work. Um, you know, there's, there's a, they still do deliver mail. Um, they deliver millions and millions of parcels every day. Um, but they also have a whole suite of digital services. So, you know, they, they employ more developers than most big businesses in this country because mm -hmm. they're building things like digital identity platforms and, um, you know, they manage your, your online passports um, processes and stuff. So there's a lot more to post than what there was, um, but it's still a big corporate. So. What happens to your role when you go in and take on a project like this? Um, yeah, that was where I was probably a little bit naive about it all. So I had, um, I'd been given the opportunity to do a series of secondments and step out of my actual role. So I think at that stage, my title was something like um, senior manager of, of risk and compliance or something like that. Um, but I hadn't done that role in 12 months prior to stepping into this secondment. And so then by the time our project came to an end, 18 months had gone since I'd been in that role. Um, and the, I mean, the role somebody else working in it and had done for 18 months. It really wasn't my role anymore. So um, I I had to go and very quickly find myself another job within Australia Post, otherwise I would have been redundant. So um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to other people. It's a pretty scary time. Um, but luckily I found a role within the security team as their head of cybersecurity business services. So I was able to then take my commercial and, and risk management experience and apply that to the security team. What does Australia Post get out of having something like an incubator? Um, well, I, I mean, it gets... Uh, are, they, are they getting equity in it or is it, or well, is it, they, they own it? Own it? Okay, yeah, they yeah, own sure. it. So, so all of those things, they, they 100% own. Okay, so sure. this is what I mean when I say play startup founder because yeah, yeah. we didn't actually found anything yeah. that we owned. So Do they talk about like is there, there options for the founders... If you're playing founders, do you get equity in that, or is it not no, seen that way? No, yeah. um, certainly not at not a post. I'm mm -hmm. sure there are other corporate um, mm -hmm. corporates out there that might give you that opportunity, but that wasn't the case for us. Yeah. So, so going from a working with a big company like Australia Post to starting, you know, from scratch with yourself and a founder, what's that process been like? Um, it was uh, scary, <laughs> really scary, um, and. A lot of hard work. Um, every day I'm doing things that I never did before in my corporate career. 
Um, but I wouldn't go back. I don't mm. like if if everything blows up in my face tomorrow and Cinch is not a thing, I'm not going to get another job at a corporate. Um, yeah. I will go join another startup or found another company because um, having the the control to build a company that you're proud of and find team members that are also passionate about it and help your customers and a mission that you're absolutely dedicated to, there's nothing compares to that. Mm. And so Cinch is completely separate to that original, so I guess the yeah. seed of a an idea which sort of inspired yeah, absolutely. So, so what we built within Post was quite different. It was still for small businesses, but it was it was a response service mm-hmm. in con, um, uh, working with a um, a not for profit out of Queensland. Um, Cinch doesn't do responses. Um, we spoke about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for us, it's about preparing businesses and getting them to build their resilience so that when they have an incident, it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst day of their lives. It just makes for a pretty shit day. And what's what's the first thing? What's the first phone call or coffee that you have when you decide that you're going all in with Cinch? <laughs> um, so that decision, I went for a massage on a random Saturday and um, was lying on the table thinking, "What am I even doing with my life? This, you know, I can't, I can't keep doing this." And then by the time and I the got massage, that, you could keep doing. It. <laughs> yeah, just well, the, exactly. the stuff. All um, good things come from vigorous tie. <laughs> and so I started to think about, okay, if I if I go off and work on Cinch, what are my days going to be like in comparison to what it is now in my corporate life? Um, so by the time I got off that massage table, I was messaging Adam saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to quit the job and go do this now. Um, and he's like, uh, okay, I, I guess this is really a thing. Um, so I went into work, I quit the job. Um, and one month later, um, left Australia Post and then immediately joined SciRise, which is a cybersecurity accelerator here in Melbourne. Um, and uh, the SciRise are absolutely fantastic. They only take cybersecurity companies, early stage startups, um, but they drive you really, really hard. So first day of that program, I think I went home and my eyeballs were just about hanging out of my head. Like that's just, we'd had meetings with 15 different chief information security officers. We'd, um, you know, we'd been smashed on how do we pitch. We'd been smashed on our business model. Um, by the end of that first week, I was completely shattered. And then they took us up to Sydney and we did it all again the second week. Um, shattered in a good way or shattered confidence? Uh, no, shattered in a good way. Good just way, yeah, exhausted. Um, Need a massage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Need a massage, but can no longer afford one because <laughs> now I'm a startup founder. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just different. Everything you do is completely different when you're in that world. Um, and you don't, no matter what your plan um, is when you come in in the day, that's not what you end up working on that day. No, no way. What did the sacrifice look like at the beginning for your life? Um, sacrifice was a lot of time. Um, so when you're starting a business, I mean, it, it consumes every moment of your waking hour. So um, my friends had to hear about what I was working on. My family um, probably didn't talk to them as much as I should have. Um, you know, my husband, I barely saw him for, for the first few months of starting that business. Um, so there's a lot of sacrifice just in terms of what your lifestyle was like. Um, but at the same time, when somebody says, how are you doing? Is everything going well? You've also got some pretty awesome stories to tell. Like mm-hmm. last year we were in New York um, but with Cinch that I never expected to be able to do that. And, you know, I've, I've spoken on big stages. I've had interviews in the age, like stuff that I would, I mean, when you're head of cybersecurity mm. business services, nobody wants to talk to you from the age. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's there's stuff that we get to do. You know, I get to talk to small business owners every day about 
what is their biggest challenge and then help them solve that. Like we've had video calls with um, clients that have like, you know, chest bumped each other at the end because it's just, it's awesome. So, you know, it works. Chest bump, the ultimate step up from a fist bump. (laughs) (laughs) We should try one after Josh, jump up. Be a nightmare. Yeah, I nearly did a a, uh, rib once doing that. Um, It was with a muscly man, so it nearly took me down. But um, is it purpose that you, because I think about jobs that you don't like or, something that you're not really enjoying consumes you. Mm-hmm. You then go and do a startup. It's all consuming, can be really hard, really highs and lows are, you know, extreme. It's just you're choosing one that has a bit more purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. So for us at Cinch, we're completely mission driven. So, you know, we are out there to make it so that small businesses can avoid having the worst day of their lives. So the harder we work, the faster we go, the, the better we are, then the more small businesses are protected from that stuff. Um, mm. And then the more small businesses can also grow their business because all of a sudden they're able to answer um, the question when they're asked, what are you doing about cybersecurity? And they can say, well, I'm a cinch member. Here, here's, the, here's everything that we're already doing. Um, so for us, it's definitely about that motivation. I'm working harder now than what I think I have ever in my life, um, but for the right reasons for once. Mm. And yeah. so it's a SaaS product? Yeah, that's and right. Was that t- talking business models and working out how to actually do it, was that the first iteration or how did you sort of see it coming in from a business model perspective? Yeah, so we we set out to build it as, um, as a SaaS um, business because of our target market being micro and small businesses. So there are over 2 million businesses in Australia with fewer than 20, 20 staff. Um, there's no way you can build a service consulting model mm-hmm. to reach 2 million businesses, let alone it, it just wouldn't be economically viable. So we build out to, um, we set out to build our business to be completely scalable so that we can service one small business the same way um, and give them the same experience as we can 2 million small businesses. But everything that we give for them is based on their business and the tech that they use. So um, none of our members' um, uh, cyber fitness programs are the same. Mm-hmm. With something like that, do you, is it like 80, 20, do you find that like you have, say with us, I feel like we would take the piss with using Cinch because there's so many, like there is so many different tools that we're using. We've got like multiple CRM, like multiple sort of like project management tools, some that are industry specific that no one else would really be using for the outlier sort of case. How does that look from your side, from a, uh, a business perspective? Yeah, so it's definitely the 80-20 rule. So 80% of all small businesses, um, the tech that they use is 80% the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, we were able to do security um, uh, analysis on a, a suite of um, technologies and get some base information and value into our product pretty quickly. Um, but then we targeted based on industry for that very reason. So um, we um, typically work with financial or professional service small businesses because they tend to use the same sorts of technologies. They also um, are targeted in very similar ways. So um, all accountants or all financial planners or all lawyers um, use only a limited number of practice management tools um, and, uh, you know, the bad guys know that and target them in the same way. So for us, we're doing that. We're then building out our business to different verticals so um, we're just now exploring where else um, we're going to move to next. It looks as though e-commerce businesses, because whilst everybody takes the mickey out of e-commerce businesses and says that they don't care about cybersecurity, that is not our experience at all. Um, you know, we've had uh, jewellery designers who are members um, that have been 
you know, reconfiguring their whole tech stack. So um, for us, that's probably where we'll go next. Uh, and then it'll be international expansion. Talking about like the stack side of things, Tommy, was what did, where did you hear stack the other day? Oh, it was somewhere. we were recording a, a podcast for a oh, client right. and they were just uh, software business or whatever. Yeah, they yeah. help integrate uh, seamlessly different mm-hmm. stacks of technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the if, Microsoft, cla- like the mm-hmm. Microsoft stuff and... Well, it's, it feels like, let's say with the e-com thing, it seems like people are doing less bespoke stuff now and it's just like you'll go even simpler than even a stack looking at something like Shopify and be like, <laughs> we're mm. using Shopify and then we're going to use the Shopify marketplace or whatever they call it to provide add-ons. Does that make life easier for a business like Cinch or and how much responsibility is there on companies like Shopify to actually look after the security? Um, well, there's a couple of sides to that. So first of all, I mean, us as Cinch, we use a lot of those sorts of services. So we, we don't run our own server. Um, we are a completely serverless company. Um, so we wouldn't be able to have built a completely scalable um, business the way that we built it five years ago because these sort of services didn't exist. So the fact that they exist mean that we can exist. Mm. Um, it also means that our small businesses, we can understand them faster and we can get to adding value to them faster because if we already know the technology that they're using, then we know how to help them secure it. Um in terms of the complexity of the advice that we need to give, for most small businesses, it's not about um, uh, getting them to to recode any of these systems. It's about understanding understanding what are the security features that are already built in there, helping them to utilise them, um, and then helping them to adjust and change their behaviours within their business to use them properly. I mean, is it safe? So safe, everyone ends up going Shopify, and there's a few other businesses, but Shopify built their own payment gateway. It's like. It's removed the need to stack Stripe into uh, WordPress into a bunch of these things. Is it safer it being all in the one or is it a problem that everyone ends up using this single service like Shopify that that's where it is? And if that gets – like one breach versus four layers. it's kind of, it could go either way. I mean, any of these businesses, they're, they're motivated to keep it secure. Um, but it's also acknowledging that it's shared responsibility. The mo- You as a business owner, it is still your business. Mm. Um, it's still your customers that are going to be affected. So you can't say, well, I use Shopify. That's not my risk anymore. I don't need to think about it. It's still your business. Um, and if you're using somebody else's service, then the responsibility is still on you to understand what risks are involved and how are you going to manage that. Mm. Have a plan in place so that if Shopify does go down, that doesn't take out your business forever. Um, you know, there's there's understand what security steps Shopify put in place versus what things you still need to have um, on your systems. Yeah, um, just simple one. My wife had uh, her Facebook try to be accessed from some email and it was one that she used to use and then we found the IP address because Facebook was like, I mean, they're pretty switched on to it, gave you the IP address and we searched the IP address and it was in the Philippines. It was my uncle. But no, no, <laughs> that wasn't. It was a hacker. But it was biz- like, this sh- is that automated, do you think? Are these somehow being gen- like... What is, what's the right terminology? Is it like running a script where it's just entering Absolutely. constantly all these? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, cyber criminals these days, it's a really sophisticated industry. They have entire call centres set up to help you, like a help desk so that you can, they can teach you how to buy Bitcoin so that you can pay their ransom. Um, like, you know, it's an entire industry. They're, they're very professional. So um, there are absolutely your amateurs out there that might just buy some software off the dark web and, and give it a crack and see where it goes. Um, but there are others that are absolutely writing some really sophisticated attacks mm. um imagine it depends what people, they're after imagine if they channeled their energy into something productive mm. like something that was <laughs> if only they would the use their power for good instead of evil absolutely some of them are probably really great at coding mm-hmm. oh amazing <laughs> they're yeah. just a few screws loose or well, they've made too much money and they're like this is too good yeah this is too dark w- what are some of the things that we can look at when we enter into a new service say those lower like so smaller business like what i think about is like the we signed up to an industry-specific like SaaS product and they charge more because it's um, very specific. But at the same time, it's like you can see where they're missing some of the elements of a polished product like, mm-hmm. say, a Google Apps or stuff like that. What do you think are the minimum? So you talked about two-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that we can look at before we decide to sign up with a service to make sure that they have stuff dialed in. Is yeah. that a personal piece of advice for you? Because oh, you so like to pull the trigger on <laughs> well, new yeah, tech. No, I've got a lot. No, we do have a lot. We, we are trying to do We basically got you here for a free. You almost have to try it though. Like, yeah. Just in that, you've got to try these different products. Absolutely. I mean, you know, us as a business, because we need to understand the security of all these services, we've probably signed up to everything under yeah. the sun. Yeah, um, right. My co-founder has passwords to 400 different services yeah. or something. Yeah, um, right. so, <laughs> Mate, you're not running a cyber security. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, one of the important things is to think about what do I actually want to use this for um, and what sort of data is going to go into it. So if you're going to be just using something because it's going to make you work a bit faster, but you're not, it's not going to connect to anything that is really important in your business, um, then maybe you don't need to worry about too much um, security being involved as long as it, it's not actually going to be running something malicious on your system. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is going to be a service that is going to store sensitive data or confidential data um, or you know have financial transactions or something like that, then you want to read things like the privacy policy and see where are they storing your data um, and what security do they have in place. Um, you want to be checking to see whether or not like I said, um, multi-factor is um, uh, available. Uh, And um, are they storing the information here in Australia or overseas? Um, Because there are plenty of companies with cloud these days um, that are storing it all over the world. You want to know where it is. What about policies? Like, so there's obviously the human element as -hmm. well to this side of things. I feel like a lot of small businesses skimp on the uh, contracts or it's like, you know, you have an employee and they might have a very, very basic contract, but you're not getting them to sign these other things to make sure that they're making stuff safe. Do you have any thoughts or within Cinch, are you considering those types of policies? Yeah, absolutely. And um, in fact, we make it really easy for small businesses to generate those policies. So just by being a member of us, they can then um, go through a five-minute exercise and they end up with an incident response plan that is bespoke for their business at the end. Um, We can help them write an um, information security policy. Um, We help them build out things like leave a checklist so that when a staff member leaves your business, you know exactly what to do in terms of removing their access so that they don't still have access to all of your systems after they leave. Or 3D deal. Our intern from Canada still has a G Suite and Slack and all that sort of thing. Exactly Maybe we could right. Get him on the checklist. You that out, thanks. Service, <laughs> service, service loves check. He's trying to get into checklists. I mean, how 
how much a checklist an important element when it comes to security? Um, so I I don't like the idea of checklists in terms of um, uh, following a checklist of these are the things I should um, do to protect my business moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea of just um, logging onto a service and spending half an hour to fill out a questionnaire to tell them about the things you've done for security. Just, I mean, it sounds so boring to me and I run a cybersecurity company. That's why we don't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try and make everything interactive. We certainly focus on the human rather than the rest of it. But things like leave a checklist, having a list of things that you need to do every time somebody leaves, at least it means that you don't have to go, oh, hold on, what did they have access to? What did mm-hmm. I, what, you know, wh- which passwords do I need to change now? You already know it. You've got it written down. Um, so it reduces the time it takes to do the right thing. What's your favorite? I don't know if it's too much of a personal question, but uh, what's your favorite way to get your two factor authentication? Because for me, with zero, I can't be bothered answering my question. It keeps asking me. Uh, yeah. And I got a new phone. And so I, um, I don't have the G, like the Google authenticator on it. Like when I got rid of my phone, the authenticator was on that, and then I installed it, and all my shit's gone. I don't know what's anyway. Mm. So I um I prefer to get my secondary email. Is there a is there a best practice in regards to that? In and you know, do you follow a certain? You know, I'm going to follow a te- I'm going to get text message first, or so. So for me personally, I usually use Google Authenticator, mm-hmm. um, and it is a pain in the ass when you get a new phone. You have yeah. to consciously actually switch that to the new phone. That's a pain. Yeah. Um, but. You got time after this to sort him out. <laughs> well, so what's the deal? What so if that? I did, because I think that we should get onto this two factor. I use Authy, well, Authy, yep. which is what you don't have. Yep. I was checking Slack yesterday. <laughs> the only person who has two I've got factor everything. is, oh, is ninety seven, but we don't have it. And so we would go in, and we put it into. Can you exp- can you explain to people what? Google Authenticator is and what two-factor actually is? Yeah, so two-factor, you think about your username and password, so that's something you know, but that means that if somebody else... You hope you know. (laughs) (laughs) So so if somebody else learns that password, that becomes something that they know as well. Um, So using multi-factor or two-factor authentication is using something else as well as that thing that you know. So normally it's something that you are, so using um, either facial recognition on your phone or your fingerprint or something like that to get into your phone as well as a password or or keypad um, or something that you have. Um, And this is where the authenticator apps come in because unless somebody has your phone with that app um, that has been connected to that service, then they can't get in Mm. even if they know your password. What about a key ring? You know, the key rings? Yeah. I saw that years ago. Westpac? I, yeah. Um, yep. Was Westpac did Bank it? West yeah, uh, as yeah. well. So. What do you think about like using one of those? Because I think I saw a third-party product that is the keychain. I almost like that more than the yeah. phone. Um, yeah, there's a there's a few companies out there, so um, YubiKey and a couple of others that have them now. Um, they're really good, but they're expensive. So mm-hmm. um, it depends, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a risk decision ne- you need to make. Is, is it worth spending the money on these things? to do it um, for some things that you're protecting, absolutely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on, on our corporate bank account, I have one of those little things on my keys and that's mm. that's my second factor. Can you can you tell us a few war stories? I mean, I'm sure you've probably seen, maybe not clients you've worked with, but people that have been affected and sort of the outline the risk. And so it's like, I mean, this it could be something that someone's doing that's listening that like, Fuck, that's me. I've got to stop yeah. that. Or even as an extension on that, like things where people think they're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but they're actually making shit worse. So, <laughs> like using a uh, 
using something like a last pass or a one password, but then having a really easy master password <laughs> or something like that. Well, I mean, there's definitely pl- plenty of cases of that. But um, one, of, one of the most emotional calls that I've taken whilst running Cinch um, was one of my good friend's um, mum. Um, she ran her own mortgage banking business. Um, she'd been uh, chasing up a real estate agent that she worked regularly with all week for this contract. Hadn't been able to get them on the phone, which was unusual for a real estate agent, but hadn't been able to get hold of them. Finally, she gets the email. Here's the contracts you're waiting for. Double clicks on it. It pops up and asks her for a username and password, but she'd been waiting for this email from this company all week. Didn't think anything of it. Threw in her username and password and then phone call rang and she went off into something else for another hour and a half. She came back um, and uh, to a computer, took another phone call from a customer saying, you're sending me some really strange emails. What is going on? Um, and turns out that um, that real estate agent had been compromised. So um, they their email had been taken over and they were using that email address to then um, they'd obviously been watching what was going on for a few weeks. They knew that this mortgage broker had been chasing them for a contract um, and they used that opportunity to then target the, target her and send that out. What that meant is it was two hours before she even discovered there was an issue when she got that phone call from their um, customer to say that was something wrong. Um, it then took her another four hours or so to get somebody to help her lock that person back out again. So that was six hours where this criminal had access to all of her emails, all of her attachments, all of that confidential information from anybody that had been to that mortgage broker before. Um, so that made for what was easily the worst day of her working life. Um, and not long after that, um, she took early retirement from her business and is now no longer a mortgage broker because this sort of stuff really can devastate you. Um, and that was something so simple as just trusting um, the, an email that came through from a trusted person. But the thing is, it's not usual that they would send through contracts as an attachment on an email that then asks you for your username and password. Mm. If she'd stopped and thought about it for three seconds, she would have gone, hold on, what the hell do they need that for? Um, so, uh, you know, they, they, all of these scams, they set out to target people that are tired. These things mm. work quite often on Friday afternoons because people are rushing to get everything done at the end well, of the week. I'm not checking my email then, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 these sort of, there's so many of these stories around and it's, um, it's really heartbreaking. It's the whole reason why we set out to build Cinch in the first place because, at the moment, um, pri- well, prior to us existing, there really wasn't anybody out there that was helping small businesses. Everything was in our industry was focused at the top end of town. Um, that's where all of the talent was going, was mm. working in large corporates. It's where all the money was going. And yet there's 2 million small businesses in Australia that needed help. So since at the moment, uh, accountants, like, fin- like financial prof- professionals, anyone else that you think would be, um, you know, would be a great fit? Yeah, so sign up now. For, for us, it's about, um, it's not so much the industry, it's more mm-hmm. about the, the um, I guess, um, uh, I've forgotten the word, uh, the traits of the company itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, businesses that have fewer than 20 staff, they won't have um, in-house IT. They usually rely on an external IT support provider um, that we can then collaborate with within the platform. So it's about businesses that are relying heavily on technology now um, and realise that they need some help. Um, they're, they're exactly who we've built our business for. How do they know if they need help? If Unless they've been compromised, mm-hmm. uh, are there earlier signs? Yeah, so um, when you start relying on all of these cloud services, I mean, you guys have asked a bunch mm-hmm. of questions today about, well, what do, do I need to worry about Slack or we've signed mm-hmm. up to all of these apps? Small business owners have exactly the same feelings of discomfort. So when they're at that point where they're just uncomfortable with how much tech they're relying on and do they know enough about it, 
that's the time to take action. Um, there are other clients that work in industries that are now seeing more and more compliance obligations come onto them. So if they are um, working with any large um, APRA regulated businesses, the banks, et cetera, they're now required to look at their supply chain. Um, and if, if you're a small business in that supply chain, you're going to start getting questionnaires or asking you 150 different questions about what you're doing about security. Um, that's going to be a pretty big trigger for them to jump on top of this stuff. So, um, you know, it's going to be different for every business, um, but for every business, if they're relying on tech, it's something that they should get across. It seems like um, people are becoming more aware. Even our new accountant, um, he asked for our tax file number. He said, call me with your tax yep. file number. And the funny thing was for me to look, find my tax file number, I looked through my email from the last email I sent my other account <laughs> with the tax file number. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, though, is that that sort of behaviour um, in the not too distant future will really help your new accountant mm-hmm. to differentiate themselves from people like your old accountant, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be able to answer the question when customers say, well, how do I trust that you're going to do the right thing by me? They can say, well, actually, this is how, and I do all of these things. Um, this is why we talk about it being cyber fitness, because it's not just about protecting and stopping the bad things. It's also about building strength and, and growing your company and being able to differentiate. And it's so loose, like especially yeah. even when I, I uh, did four months traveling a few years ago and just – the hospitality, um, like hotel industry, there is so much like bad practices going where it's like yeah. just email us your credit card or we need confirmation of your um, passport. We need these things to secure stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're photocopying shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think they're gross. Yeah. But I think like it's, and it's even. Uh, to your point where it's like you're in Hong Kong and it's like I just want Wi-Fi. It's like travelling, you're in that vulnerable state and I feel like that is always where it's like, okay, I want to go on a hot air balloon in Turkey. Are they asking for the passport? Like what else are we going to do? Yeah. But um, I think like when you put the lens of it, of being a director of a company, all of a sudden that then affects everything else. Yeah, it's it's not just your it's not just the skin on your back anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's about your customers, it's about your staff. Um it's about, you know, your family and the legacy of your business. If that gets wiped out tomorrow, um all of everything that you've worked on for your whole life um can can be gone and that's it's just devastating to face that. Um, particularly when you realize that if you just spent 5 minutes a day for a couple of weeks, you could mm-hmm. be in a completely different position. And so you're still part of the accelerator program. How so you 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 started the business within that? Is that right? No, or no. Like- so we had we had spent nights and weekends when we were still working full time, mm-hmm. um, building it up. Um, we we got to a point where we had a very rough MVP of our product. Um, we had an even rougher go to market strategy and a whole bunch of enthusiasm. And that's basically what we took into the um, accelerator. So that lasted for six months. We finished that um, in April last year. The enthusiasm or the. <laughs> 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 the um the accelerator. Yeah, so yeah. so we launched our product at the end of that accelerator, and that's also when we launched our investment capital raising process as well. So um we've been uh, on our own, I guess you'd say, for about nine months thereabouts. Um yeah, and With, I mean the first customer. I mm-hmm. mean these startups. Some some don't even see a, a customer until a year or two down the track, mm-hmm. which seems crazy, but it's just what's happening. They're building tech or whatever it is those first moments of getting people that are actually excited about what you're doing or maybe not excited, you just get them as a customer mm. and then you get them excited. What's that? What was that feeling like? Oh, that, that first dollar in the bank account was pretty exciting. Um, so my my co-founder, um, his family live um, in regional Victoria. He'd gone back up to 
um, back up to home for, for a long weekend or whatever. And um, on the Monday, uh, he'd stayed over the weekend. And on the Monday, he went out to a couple of small business owners that he knew in that town and was talking to them about what they were doing um, and sold them um, a membership. Um, and he messaged me and I was like so bummed that he wasn't there because I just wanted to go out for a beer. <laughs> um, but then, you know, so that was a, a short trial. Um, and then the first time we actually had somebody sign up for an annual membership with Cinch, um, again, it was beer time. It was it was euphoric. Um, but then he realize you need to do that a million more times and yeah, it gets yeah, yeah. a bit harder but you know those those, those firsts in your own business are, are pretty incredible mm. yeah, well you've got to it's yeah. like you, before you have a thousand of them yeah you need to make sure you can do it for one person yeah we, so what was that process of w- the learnings that came from first customer or 10 customers that have shifted now to where you are today yeah we were we were pretty good at making sure that we spoke to a lot of small business owners and potential customers before we actually launched our product. So we we had a very good idea of what we thought they wanted. What we took too long doing was actually asking somebody to pay for it. So, you know, we as part of the accelerator, um, Scott Hansacker, who's the CEO of Cyrise, the accelerator, would ask us every week for about the last three months of that accelerator, have you asked someone to pay yet? Um, and we'd be like, um, well, we nearly did. Um, <laughs> so it took us too long. Um, but then once we once we did it that one time, we also had a lot of confidence as to what, what it was that got them to pay, what was it that they were interested in and what did we need to do to deliver on the promise to the customer. Um, so whilst it took us too long to start asking from there, we also had pretty good confidence over what it was that we were selling and why. So, um, uh, you know, it's it's still never easy to continue to get new business through the door, particularly when you're a, a completely digital SaaS platform. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly getting our name out there now. Who, sh- who should look at uh, an accelerator program? Because I'm, I find it fascinating. There seems to be more and more popping up. Um, yeah, who should consider it and what, what are the terms for an accelerator program? So the terms are different for each and every one, which um, blows my mind. Um, I wish there was some consistency. Um, And like any business out there, there are some good accelerators and there are some crap ones out there. Um, Cyrise for us was completely transformative. Um, Our business wouldn't be where it is now without them. They were absolutely fantastic. Um, But we had considered joining them the year before, which would have been their first year, um, their first cohort. And we decided that um, not only were we not quite ready for it, but they weren't. Um, so it wasn't until we knew that we were willing to throw ourselves into Cinch 100% full time, um, that it was worth joining an accelerator because you get out of those things, what you put in. So if you're willing to just experiment, if you're willing to learn, and if you're willing to change, then accelerators are great. Um, as long as it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're really determined that you've built this product and nobody's going to tell you how to how to change it and how to run it and all the rest of it, then an accelerator is not going to be able to help you because they're all about helping you change and grow. Talking about like um, getting the first dollar and the struggle of asking people, uh, in the world of accelerators, I guess there's also valuations of businesses and things like that. How much have you learned about that side of business. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a bit of a baptism of fire. I mean, when we, when we signed up to the accelerator, uh, we did it under what's called a safe note. Um, so we didn't have a valuation of our company at that point because it was for early stage, um, startups. So, um, it was basically, they gave us, um, uh, some money and they got, um, basically a promise of future equity when we raise capital down the track. Um, 
we signed that safe note. Um, and I had a vague idea of how they worked and all the rest of it, but it wasn't until we were halfway through the accelerator that I went, oh, right, okay, that's that's how that thing is going to actually be triggered. Um, but if you are working with reputable people, then they're not going to rip you off. I would not recommend that being the, the process that anybody undertakes mm-hmm. and they really should understand. They should probably ask a lawyer, which I did not do. And I guess it's also specific with that accelerator. So much of investment is about what they have to offer rather than just cash. And it sounds like they're, the fact that it's industry specific mm. yeah. is super powerful. Absolutely. Um, so uh, for, for us, um, we definitely got more, far more value out of it than just the cash that they gave us. Um, but I've also, I've been approached about other accelerators before where you look at the equity that they're expecting to take for the cash that they put in. And I'm like, yeah, you're valuing your pro- program there at a million bucks. And I'm yeah. sorry, but you're not <laughs> going to give me a million bucks value out of this. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is what I mean by there are plenty of bad accelerators out there, all mm-hmm. ones that are not um, in it for the founders. And so you just need to be careful about that. Well, it's you're entering into their own business model then, right? Yeah. I guess that's the school system and all that other stuff. Mm. Raising money moving forward, how's, how's that process been? Um, yeah, so we, we spent six months um, raising capital last year. It was um, some of, it created some of the most valuable and interesting conversations that I've ever had in my life. You, when you're out there asking for money, you meet some really random people along the way that just have a lot of money for whatever reason. Um, Do they tend to ask triggering questions or questions that are, you need to have the answer for that you didn't quite know that you needed to have the answer for? Um, well, certainly early on. Early on, I had no idea how to answer any of the questions. When you're having your first investor conversations as a first-time founder, you don't know how any of this stuff works. But we had just come through an accelerator and had spent six months answering tough questions about our mm. business. So we had a lot of answers um, for a lot of questions that businesses of our early stage might not have. Um, but it's also pretty you can usually tell pretty quickly if a potential investor is somebody that you actually want to invest with. They talk about, um, you know, relationships with investments lasting longer than most marriages these days. So you don't want to take money from anybody that you don't actually want to sit in a room with or have dinner with at some point, because you're going to be doing that, you know, every year for the next seven years, eight years, whatever it is. So, um, you know, we were really careful about how, who we took investment from. Um, we were lucky that um, on the, the last day of the accelerator, they have a demo day and you know big pitch and all the rest of it um so i got off the stage and then that night somebody that we knew quite well didn't know that they had a lot of money um uh, you know said to us we want to invest in your company so we had an investor from the first day um but then it took six months to find the rest of it Mm. um and it was only through having scale investors who are a um an angel uh syndicate that specifically invest in female founded companies um and that's how we found the, the the rest of the money um so yeah, it was it was interesting. Very glad that it's done um, because now we can just get back to growing our business and and helping more customers. Um, but at the same time, we also didn't raise as much as what we'd hoped. So I might be back out there asking a lot sooner than I yeah. hoped. <laughs> how how much of the conversation is about finance and money uh, when it comes to speaking to investors? Because I guess that security. Um, it's potentially close. It sits closer to finance versus something like media, where there's a bit more rah rah involved. Would when you're having a conversation, are they just asking about business model stuff, or are they asking bigger questions? Well, they want to understand how you're going to make money. 
Um, so, you know, they we were asked for what's our forecast. And I mean, as an early stage company that had just launched a product and had earned 3000 bucks, anything on a spreadsheet was going to be completely fantastical. Um, <laughs> I mean, my spreadsheet was really impressive, but it was just- They all a, did that. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, still just a, it's still just a spreadsheet. Um, but, you know- Do so, they get that? And it, like, is that obviously you've got to rationalise things? Because yeah. like at the beginning, if you don't have, like how much of- uh, working out evaluation of a business is it's like, oh, you know what? Like I know we haven't done 100000 a month, but I think in six months we could if we had all of this. And so let's value it on this. Is that how it works? It depends what stage your company is at. So when when we were raising, we were just launching our first products, super early stage. So none of the investors that we spoke to expected us to have all the answers. They, they were investing in us as founders. They were investing in um, our business model ideas, our go-to-market strategy, um, and the customer feedback that we had from a very early stage. Um, so, you know, it was, it, I wouldn't call it blind faith, but it was blind-ish faith um, put in us as founders. Um, whereas uh, if we go and raise for capital later on this year, um, after having been out in business for over a year, it'll be a different conversation. It'll be about what is our gross profit look like? What is our pathway to profitability? Um, you know, what is our, um, our pricing strategy and diversification going to look like? There'll be very different conversations because our business will be 18 months older. Uh, how much are you telling them what you're going to do with the money? Do you have a good sense of we're going to hire these people? Um, yeah, we knew exactly what we were going to do with the money. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was also a really important way for us to filter out who was the right investor for us, right? So we're a SaaS platform. It costs us very, very little to actually run our tech. Um, but what we need is really good people. We need people to do the development work. We need security analysts. We need, you know, product um, people. Um, and so there are some investors that absolutely hate when a founder turns around and says, I'm just going to hire people. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? They're not they're not the investors that we want as a SaaS company because mm -hmm. that's always what we're going to be spending our what, money on. What are they wanting? Like if that's their answer, what, what are they wanting you to do with the money? Um, I don't know. I didn't get that far <laughs> through the conversation. <laughs> you blocked it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, we, we were really specific um, and have been all along. We're quite intentional about what we do, certainly with our money. And now that we have other people's money, we're far more particular about how we're spending it. What, yeah. a, what about the accountability to the people? How consistently are you needing to update them? And um, We... Um, and I think this is probably just because it's more my personality type. I probably um, ha have a lot more regular contact with them than most. So um, I provide monthly updates to all shareholders on what it is that we've done, what it is that we're doing, et cetera. Um, I just built that routine through that, that accelerator process that anybody that was interested in Cinch, I started sending out monthly updates, almost like a newsletter. Yeah. Um, it's slightly different bent when it's shareholders that you're updating. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we also, also do that for future investors because there are plenty of people that are sitting back and watching what we're doing. And, you know, we were too early stage for what they usually invest in. Um, so I send them monthly updates. So hopefully when I go capital raising in six months, 12 months time, I can hook them up and say, hey, you know, surely you're pretty happy with what we've been doing. Can we have a chat? That's so cool. Yeah, it's so inspiring hearing like from that early stage to where it's going and it seems so, um, you know, like within startup world, especially I guess more in the US, it, there can be a level of rah-rah and VCs mm -hmm. and all that sort of shit. But it sounds like uh, especially being small business owners ourselves, it's something nice about hearing it in the language of small business rather than the sort of crazy startup. Absolutely. You know? that. 
the whole startup world, there's there's so much hoo-ha around it, um, but it's also really bloody hard. There's nothing yeah. easy mm-hmm. about doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know uh, how I'm going to be able to pay ro- payroll in 12 months' time if we don't hit our targets. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we have staff, it's really terrifying. It, it wasn't so bad when it was just Adam and I, although I would have felt bad if he'd lost it. <laughs> yeah. He's got a wife and kids. That would have been bad. Um, but, you know, when it's just yourself, you can do it. But the, you can get sucked into this whole startup conversation. And, you know, I've done plenty of, um, you know, presentations and that sort of thing, pointing out that, yes, for all of the glamour and all of the whatever it is, um, you also need to be in there for an actual purpose to build a business. And so for us, dealing with small business owners every day, that kind of keeps us grounded pretty good. I think, it, I think it's nice when you have a purpose behind the business. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that probably don't. Absolutely. Develop um, some product. It's just sending snaps. Yeah. Sending image, you know. Just. Well, it's a fixing a problem too. I think like yeah, whenever yeah. you're in the business of like actually solving a problem and the fact that we can talk about it and have 10 questions for you all around, like before we even find out about you, we want to know like what do we do with our last pass? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. I think that that, you know, demonstrates that how important security is for every you know size business in 2020, and for being being mission driven, also makes some parts of our business a hell of a lot easier mm. for us than it is for other startup founders. So you know, I know other cybersecurity founders out there that are in it because they wanted to build this really cool tech. They'd found um, an issue that they thought they could probably figure out how to solve it, and they've solved it. And now they're trying to go out and sell it, um, and that just it feels a bit empty to mm. me. Mm. Um, you know that. Uh, the other founders that I know and I spend a lot of time with are all very much mission-driven like what we are. They're completely different problems that they're solving. But, um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of others that I speak to on a regular basis that are in it for the right reasons um, and it makes all of the hard work worthwhile. Amazing. I'm changing my um, LastPass master password today. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. yeah. I think it's a good thing to do. I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. Da, even, da, da was mine. But, <laughs> well, the other problem is that it's um, when you use Chrome, the Chrome extension or whatever, you can get away with a long time. It's been yeah. a couple of times I'm caught out where I'm like, I don't know if I even remember it. Yeah. Because it's just <clears> an <throat> autofill type of thing. Yeah. Um, Susie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Thank Susie. you. Uh, it's a daily talk show. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can subscribe there or wherever you get good podcasts. Otherwise, see you tomorrow, guys. See ya.